Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Let me ask you a question this morning. Before we dive into God's word, let me ask you a question. Is there something you need more of? Now, right away, something came to your mind. I don't know what what you walked in with or what you're dealing with, but when I said, is there something you need more of? I know a lot of you, for some, you might go, I need money. Hello. (laughs) For some, you might say, well, I, I just... I need more time, Pastor Chris. I wasn't able to do my hair like I really wanted to do it. I'm with you, okay? (laughs) I need more time, Pastor Chris. Or some of you are are going, you had to leave this morning. You rushed out the door. You woke up late and you go, I'm hungry. I need more food, Pastor Chris. I need more food. But some of you are in a desperate moment where you go, I need more relationships, more godly relationships. All those things are valuable things and we could continue to read the list of all the things that we need more. But what if I could tell you this morning that you could have something that's more valuable than any of those things, more valuable than anything else in this world. And all you have to do for it, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. All you have to do is ask, seek, and knock. Would you want more of it this morning? Some of you said yes. Some of you said no. I'm okay with that. Because it's available to us this morning. And whether you know it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not this morning, we live in a day and age where we hunger and cry for more. Amen? It just, it's all around us. But in all honesty, many of us don't even know what we need more of. Come on. We don't. It's like you've ever had this happen to you when you walk to the fridge, you're starving. You walk to the fridge, you walk to the pantry, wherever you walk to to go get food and you go in there and you open it up, but you're so hungry and you look around and there's so many options. You just go, man, it's so, it's, it's awesome. I'm so blessed. And then you go like, nothing sounds good right now. Has anybody ever done that before? Where you open and you're standing there, you're like, I don't want any of this stuff. But yet you're hungry. Watch this but nothing sounds good. You're hungry, but nothing satisfies. You're hungry for more, but nothing really seems to put its finger on it and says, I want that. And so we search and we search. Many of you today, you have this hunger and you're searching for something. You've been searching for a while and you're searching for something that will satisfy. So you go and get something else on the shelf. And what I mean on the shelf, the shelf of life, it could be food for some of us in South Louisiana. That's that comfort, right? You reach for that food for, for some of you, it's relationships, unhealthy relationships. For some, it's alcohol, drugs, addictions, or success, jobs, cars, spouses, whatever it is, you're reaching for something. It never satisfies. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. But I'm here today to tell you that there is something that satisfies that hunger for more. You want to know what it is? Okay, no one does. I won't read it then. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) 
Jesus tells us what it is, even if you don't want to know. Because in his most famous sermon, he begins to unpack what we call the Beatitudes. They're truths. They're promises. They're conditions that when we do these, these things happen. And here's what he says about our hunger for more. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, this is huge for us this morning because this is where we're going. Here's what he says. Jesus says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? For they will be. So watch this. I love that Matthew, when he wrote that, he used the word filled. I love that Jesus used that word filled because that word filled does something to us. It's like, it's like sitting back after eating a good gumbo. What do you do? You sit back, you just go, I'm satisfied right now. Right? You, you sit back and you're satisfied. That word filled means satisfied. Jesus doesn't rebuke hunger and thirst. He redirects it towards the right thing. Come on, somebody. He redirected it towards the right thing. He's saying, I, I know you hunger and thirst. I'm not denying that. What I want you to do is hunger and thirst for the right things, for the righteousness of God. And some of you might be going, Pastor, I, that sounds really spiritual. I don't know what the, the righteousness of God is. Pastor Jacob talked about it last week. I'm just going to give it to you really, really easily, really quickly. The righteousness of God is a right relationship with God and right living for God. It's the pursuit of a right relationship with God, being born again, having a relationship with Jesus, not being perfect, but having a perfect savior. And then it's pursuing a godly lifestyle. So when you hunger and thirst for more of God, more relationship with him, more relationship with his people in your lifestyle, what ends up happening, watch this, each and every single time you get filled. What do you get filled with? More of his presence more of his peace, more of his patience, more of his kindness. Come on, come on, somebody. More of him. We need more of him. We need more of him. We need more of him. So I want to encourage us and challenge us this morning that as the world is trying to push a buffet or buffet, wherever you're from, okay? A buffet of hungering things for us to go and grab. Except God, I want us to hunger and thirst for the right things, for more of the right one who will only be the one to satisfy every need, every desire, every one It comes from him. I want to help us this morning. But first, let's ask a question. Because before we can dive into that side where we unpack all of the great things of being filled with God's presence and wanting more of God in this day and age, let's ask a question. Let's unpack the other side. Here's the question. What keeps us from being filled? Who? If Jesus said those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled, it's a promise. It's not a one-time promise. It's an every-time promise. That's good then what keeps us from being filled? I think two things. I believe there's probably more, but I believe two major, major things this morning. The first one is this. I think what keeps us from being filled is, the first one is we fill up on the wrong things. Come on. Oof. We fill up on the wrong things. I, I've, I've, 
Once again, I have five amazing kids and they're wonderful, but parents, you understand this and grandparents, you might do, uncles, aunts, you guys understand that when kids are little, they eat a lot of snacks, not a lot of meals, okay? We understand that. And they, at times, get so hungry that they just feel like they can't go on with their life, okay? You know what I mean? They act like the, act like the sky is falling and they're so hungry because my wife will be making dinner and she's trying to whip up this big meal where we all can sit down together and be a family and actually sit down with one another. And so she's cooking up this meal 30 minutes before. What do my kids do? They come to her and they say, I'm so hungry. I, I just want a little snack. Can I have a snack or something, mom? I'm so hungry, right? And then what do they end up doing? She's just like, okay, fine, fine, have a snack. They go in there, they get a bag of chips. Five minutes later, I'm still hungry. And she's like kind of whipping up everything. She's like, okay, okay, go, go. Five snacks later, right? They, they're, they're good now. But now it's time for dinner and we all sit down as a family, all seven of us, and we're, we're sitting down at the table and my wife just slaved over this meal. I come in, <clears throat> And I'm praying over the food and, and then we, we kind of start breaking bread together and, and just having conversations. And literally, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Five minutes into it, I'm done. I'm full. And I look at him and I said, said what? You see, the problem is they filled up on the wrong things before they had the right thing. It's like, watch this, it's like going to McDonald's before you go to Charlie G's. That's just not fun. Why would you fill up on McDonald's when Charlie G's is right down the road? What's crazy is my, when my wife and I, when we're, we're having a special night and we want to go to like somewhere like Charlie G's, I'm the opposite. I'm like, is there broth in the house that I can eat for the whole day? Because I want to, I'm just, Tabasco ribeye looks, is this big right now, right? Think about it. Many of us are filling ourselves up on the, Wrong thing. This is not, listen to me, it's not about hunger and thirst. It's about hungering and thirsting for the right thing. The right thing. What's the right thing, Pastor Chris? The Lord tells us in Isaiah 55, here's what he says. Through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord speaks and he says, the Lord says, all who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, Without cost. Come on. Woo. Who cares about inflation when we can get it for free? Come on. Verse two. This is so good. This is so good. This speaks to us this morning. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy? Listen closely to me and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. This is not about food. This is about a spiritual hunger and thirst for more of God's presence. Why? Because we need more God. We need more God. But sometimes we lose our appetite our appetite is ruined because we're trying to get our fix on something else. So my question is, what are the things in your life that you're filled up on, but have not filled you up? Who? It's time for the right meal. The second thing that I believe that kind of gets in the way of us being filled for so many with God's presence is this. We never experience the goodness of God. We've never experienced the goodness of God. Why, why, why do you say that, Pastor Chris? Because some of us, and, and we'll just, 
Let's be honest this morning. Let's take off the mask. Some of us let religiousness get in the way. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? It means when we go, oh, Pastor Chris is preaching on Matthew 5, 6. I've already read that chapter like one or two times. I already know it. I know it, Pastor Chris. <laughs> I want a deeper word. I want like deep word. Give me the theology. Give me the Greek. Give me the Hebrew behind the word the, right? I mean, and I'm not shooting that down because I love that. But what I'm saying is you're taking something that is supposed to be simple and digested easily. And you're trying to make it such so complex that you disregard what God wants to give you. And you begin to push away because of religiousness and pride. We push away because we think, well, I already know that. I already do that. I already have that. And so we dismiss things that God wants to fill us up. I'll never forget the time in college. I was born again at 17 years old, went off to Georgia Tech to play football. And as I was there, I got involved with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And there was a summer camp for high school and middle school students. So they were like, hey, come be a camp counselor. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure. I felt so unequipped. I felt so unprepared. I felt so you know, unchristian to go and to lead these kids to a relationship with Jesus. So I said yes, and I went. And there was a guy there, and you may have a friend like this, who he was the guy who knew all about the Bible. You asked for a verse, and he's like, that's in Matthew 5, 72. You know, and you're like, what? Uh -uh." And he's that guy that knew so much about the Bible. And you just go, this guy is so, like, he knows the Lord. He knows his Bible back to front, knows every verse it feels like. And he would be that guy. And there was a move of God in that camp that year. And there were kids at the altar on the last nights, and they were weeping, these middle school and high school students weeping in front of God, and, and they're there. I look over, I'll never forget, I look over and I see that other counselor there, the one who had all the knowledge in the world. And he shared with us later that night, shared with all the other counselors, and he said, I might have all this knowledge and I know a lot about the Bible. Here's what he said, but until tonight, I've never experienced the goodness of God. Why? Because Christianity is not a religion that you learn. It's an encounter and experience with the God, the Father that loves you more than life itself. It's an experience. But many times, listen, we disregard things because we go, I I don't want to try that. It's like sushi for the first time. Come on. It's just weird. It's just weird. I love it, but it's weird. Yeah, like, you want me to eat raw fish with seaweed on the outside? Like the sea, like it's the weeds of the sea. That's what you're saying. And you're like, you're, you're literally, and I remember like trying, but I love it now. But how can I disregard something? Watch this, that I've never tasted and seen. It's why the psalmist says it very simply like this. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't say, learn and study more about the Lord. It says, experience God. Experience his presence. Hunger, thirst, ask, seek, and knock for the presence of God. And you will be filled. You will be satisfied. Because when you taste and see something that you like, you want to keep going back to it, don't you? You want to keep going back to it time and time and time and time again. 
But so many times we reject and disregard the things of God. Watch this. Because we didn't like how someone else served the food. Whether it's you look on Facebook and you go, if that's being a Christian, I don't want more of God. Right, whatever it is. I'm so sorry for how someone misrepresented God. I'm so sorry if I have ever misrepresented God. But don't disregard and blame God for someone else's brokenness. Because what you're doing is you're not hurting that person. Watch this. You're hurting yourself. You're blocking God's presence and going, shh, I don't want that. I don't want that. He wants to fill you with his presence. But you're blocking that and it's keeping a gap between what it's all about. And that's the presence of God. It's why the apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, as he's writing the book of Ephesians, he's going like this. He says in Ephesians chapter three, he says, I pray that you, listen to this. I pray that you may have power. Everybody say power. Power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses what? Knowledge. He's going to know the love that you have to experience. Have to experience that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, there is a hunger to be filled with God. And the issue isn't God's willingness to fill us. The issue is our hunger and thirst for him. So for the rest of the morning, I just want to unpack, how do I get more of God? Yes, I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want to do that because I want to be filled with God's presence. I want more of God. I want less of me, less of the world. We all can say, but how do I do that? I want to look back in the Old Testament. I want to look back in 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want to unpack a story, an amazing story. Let me give you some context and set it up real quick. But it's an amazing story about a prophet. First, there was a prophet in Israel. He spoke for God. His name was Elijah. And he did many miracles, spoke for God to the people, basically told them, you need to turn back to God. You need to start looking to the Lord. Well, he was taken up to heaven at the beginning of Second Kings chapter two. He was taken up to heaven. He didn't die. This is cool. He was taken up to heaven. He was like, That's what I want to do. I want to just be taken. But then one of his followers, his name was Elisha. I don't know why the Lord did that, but Elijah and Elisha that Elisha took on the mantle and operated as a prophet of Israel after Elijah was taken up. So we're learning about now Elisha and how he's operating in the Lord. And we're seeing a miracle take place. And this is God's willingness to meet needs and to help us and to fill us for more. Here's what it is. Second Kings chapter four, starting in verse one, we're going to read seven verses and then we're going to close. Here's what it says. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah. Here's what she said. She said, your servant, my husband is dead. So she's a widow. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. This was common back then. If you've listened to Pastor Jacob's message last week, he talked about when you had a debt to pay, you didn't file for chapter 11 bankruptcy and it was absolved and you're good to go. 
It didn't just hurt your credit. They took what you had. And property back then included children and women. And so many times they were sold into slavery to pay for that debt. So this woman was now in debt and she was about to lose her boys. Verse two. So Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? He's basically saying, what do you want me to do? <laughs> but then he says this, tell me, what do you have in your house? Well, your servant has nothing here, there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said to her, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And so she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons in her house. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Verse six, when all the jars were full, come on. She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. That's huge. Verse seven, she went and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What a great story of God's provision, of God's hand, of doing the miraculous, amen? But my question this morning is this, because here's my question. I just, I want you to stay with me for a second, okay? Just, I'm gonna impose a question upon the text. That's what it's called. I'm just gonna impose a question. I wonder what would have happened if she had more jars. I wonder what would have happened if she had more jars. Because the text says that when the jars were full and there was no jars left, the oil then stopped flowing. Watch this. I'm wondering if she had more jars, would the oil keep flowing? I don't know. But this tells me one thing. This is not an oil issue. It's a container issue. Listen to me. What if God isn't holding back the oil of his presence? What if he's waiting on us to get under it? Some of y'all didn't catch that. You missed that. Or you're deep in thought right now. What if God isn't holding back the oil of his presence? What if he's waiting on us as containers to get under it? Because I don't think it's an oil problem. I think it's a container problem. And when we look at this scripture, we're sitting here going, (laughs) he wants to fill every jar and keep filling jars. (laughs) The oil in this, the oil that was represented many times in in, in the Bible, and this was literal olive oil that they were talking about. But the oil, especially in the New Testament, is is known, and also time they would anoint kings with oil. It was known as God's presence, a representing of God's presence. So watch this. What if... The issue isn't God wanting to send his presence to us. What if the issue is we aren't ready to be filled? So the question I have, and I want to 
breakdown this morning is, how do I get more of God? How do I get under it then, Pastor Chris? Tell me. That sounds really good. How do I get under it? Can I give you four things? Four steps I believe we need to take. Four things from the text that I believe that we can see is this. Number one, write this down. This is so good. So simple. Number one, we have to acknowledge our need for more. Acknowledge your need for more. The woman had a deficiency, didn't she? Come on. She had a problem. Her problem was, I can't pay a debt. There's no way I can provide. And in her desperation, this is how desperate she was. Her deficiency led to a desperation. And in that desperation, she went to her husband's boss and asked for help. Nobody does that, right? It's unheard of. But she didn't know what else to do. So in her desperation, she went and asked, You see, the debt was larger than she could pay, so she was desperate. Listen to me, church. Revival doesn't come until we're desperate for God. Revival in your life, revival in your family, revival in your kids, revival in the dream that has been dead for so long, it will not come until we are desperate for God. Because when we're comfortable, we're like, if you want to come, Jesus, that's cool, but if not, I'm good. I'm making money over here. I'm doing this over here. My kids are healthy over here. But all of a sudden, your kids get a sniffle and it's like, dear Jesus, we need you, right? Think about the time you've been born again or saved or maybe you haven't been, but think about the time that the Lord called you into a relationship with him. Was it in a time of prosperity and wealth or was it in a time of your lowest of lows? I'll tell you right now, I've heard thousands of testimonies of people coming to Jesus and I don't think, but maybe two of them, maybe I'm telling you right now, maybe had to do with a good story when things were going well, 99.9% of them said I was at my lowest moment. I couldn't deal with my husband anymore. I wanted to kill him. I wanted right. I was at my lowest point where I was drinking. I was doing drugs. I was so low when this girl broke up with me or I was so low when I lost my job or I lost my kids and I had nothing and nowhere else to turn but Jesus. Because Jesus wants to be your everything, not just your something. And then, but until you get to a point where you realize <laughs> he's all you have, then he's all you'll ever want. So we have to acknowledge our need for more of God in this day and age because Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick church. Now, why did he say that, Pastor? Let me th- it's interesting that people, the reason that Jesus said he came for the sick, not the healthy, it's not because the healthy were healthy. It's because the healthy thought they were healthy. I'm going to say that again. I know that sounds weird, right? The healthy thought they were healthy. Let me describe it this way. It's like someone who's walking with a gimp and you know they're walking with the limp, but watch this. They don't even know they're walking with the limp because they've been hurting for so long. They don't want to acknowledge that they're hurting. So they would rather live in their filth and sickness and just say they're healthy than actually ask for help. Jesus came for the sick, for the broken. He said, I didn't come for the healthy that think they don't need me. 
I came to pour out my spirit and give my presence on those who want me, not those who don't need me. See, the great part of God is he'll never force something on you that you don't want. We have to acknowledge that we need more of him. Number two, the second thing is this. Here's what she did. You have to acknowledge we need more. Number two, bring all that you have. Bring all that you have. The widow answered Elisha, much like we answer God. When he, when he asked her, when she was like, I need something, Elisha, please help me. What did he say? He said, why are, you, why are you asking me? Why are you telling me? I'm not God. But then he, what did he say? He asked a question. He said, well, what do you have in your house? And her answer was much like we answer God. When he asks us for something, we go, I have nothing. <laughs> Except this little tiny baby jar of olive oil. It's like a speck of olive oil. The problem that she was having was she was viewing her olive oil as nothing when God said, I can use nothing and turn it into something. But I'm not going to take it. You have to be willing to give it. And so we need to bring all we have in our desperation, our hunger, our thirst. We have to open our hands and bring all that we have. Why? Because God is enough. He is enough for us. He doesn't care what you bring as long as it's all that you have. She brought everything that she had. So watch this. What if we brought it all? What if you brought God your mess because he wants it? What if you got, brought God your brokenness because he wants it? What if you brought God your kids, your life, your heart, your insignificant small bottle of oil that you think is nothing in your house, God says, I'm gonna turn the ordinary into extraordinary. That's what we do when we tithe, when we give. We don't say, hey, will you give to our church? We encourage you to give because of what the word says it will do. It will turn the little that you have and multiply it. It's not us, it's God. And the beneficiary of that is us, all of us. And this woman brought the little oil that she had and God said, I'm gonna fill more jars than you can even have. I'm not gonna leave one jar in your house empty because God said, I will fill them. Not I will half fill them or partial fill them. I will fill them. And he filled them. This is what God wants to do. It's why I believe that the, the Bible calls of jars of clay. Here's what 2 Corinthians 4 says. Paul says it this way. He says, but we have this treasure. Everybody say treasure. Treasure in what? Jars of clay. He's talking about us. So watch this. It's not about the container. The value isn't the container. The value is what's in the container. Come on. The value is what's in the container. It's the joy of God. It's the presence of God that's in the container that makes the container valuable. If the jar is empty, it's worthless. If it's filled with olive oil, you can sell it to pay for debts. Watch this. When you're empty, you're worth nothing. But watch this. When you're filled with God's presence, you're worth more than you'll even know. You're worth more than you even know. And because we're jars of clay, God knows that you're, you and I are fragile. We're broken. We're leaking. But his promise 
is that because we're jars of clay, he wants to fill us. He wants to fill us. The third thing is this, and we're about to close. Third thing is this, we need to position ourselves. So we have to acknowledge we need more. Bring all you have. Now we can position ourselves. Let me say something that's very clear. If you want something to change in your life, then you have to be willing to change something in your life. If you want something to change in your life, then you have to be willing to change something in your life. This is why position is so vital when we're being filled, when we're coming into the presence of God. Because I love the way that Pastor Jacob has said this for so many years. He says it this way. You don't get the presence you're around. You get the presence that you're under. Come on. You don't get the presence of God that you're just around. You get the presence of God when you are under. In in the story, the jars started to fill with oil when they were under the oil. Not when they were outside the oil. Let, let, Let me show you real quick in a demonstration Thank you, Devin. I appreciate it. Thank you. So watch this. So this is us. We're empty. This glass is useless. It's pointless right now. Can't do anything. This is the presence of God. And the whole point is, is the presence is always flowing. It's not, I know I'm pouring it in church. It'll be fine. The carpet will dry. I promise. Okay. All right. It's not the, 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 There's nothing wrong with the flow. What's wrong is where this cup is positioned. Watch this. If I put it near it, is it going to get filled? Okay, thank you. It's not very hard. If I put it in it, will it get filled? If I put it around it, will it get filled? Okay, good. Watch this. Watch this. But when it gets under it, It has the potential to be filled with the presence of God. And he doesn't just fill you some. He fills you all the way up with the love, the joy, the peace, the patience that you need to help your crazy boss stay sane, right? We know that. He gives you the presence to not kill your kids. He gives you the presence. But what he ultimately does is he satisfies you. So watch this. Now this cup has a purpose. Now this cup has placement. All because it got under. Look at me, church. You can't be around God and get God. You got to get under God to receive God. Well, what, is that, what does that mean, Pastor Chris? I don't, I don't quite understand. It means this. It means, are you willing to take advantage of opportunities when the presence of God is going to be there? Will you get under it? I didn't say get around it. I didn't say get near it. I said, get under it. So what does that mean? Well, let me, let me describe it like this, is that we have to take advantage of every opportunity that we have to be in the presence of God, to receive the presence of God. When I, when I played uh, in the NFL, I, it was my dream to play in the NFL and getting there. NFL is a league where there's very few doors that open, but a lot of doors that exit. Let me just say that. Really easy to get out, really tough to get in. And so trying to get my foot in the door is very difficult at the time. And so I came out of Georgia Tech, picked up by the Falcons. They ended up cutting me. Hallelujah. Uh, See, I, I knew we were, we were going there already, okay? Dang it. 
Don't get distracted here, okay? Got picked up by the saints. So I went from the enemy's team to God's team. That's okay, though. Right? We welcome all people here. We love you. Sort of, kind of. But still. um, But there was a caveat when they picked me up, the saints. And they go, yeah, we want to pick you up. But we're going to send you over to NFL Europe. Many people don't know this. And you have to go over to NFL Europe. There was no guarantee I was going to make the team. There was no guarantee that I was going to come back from Europe and make the saints. It's not the way the NFL works. And so I ended up saying yes, me and my wife, yes, to going over to Europe for three months and playing football. It wasn't glamorous. You didn't get paid nothing barely. It was you just lived over there and played football. But the great part about it is because I said yes to that opportunity. Watch this. I positioned myself to have a chance to live my dream. If I would have said no, or, hey, I don't want to do that, or, hey, that's not for me. I'm an NFL player. I don't go to NFL Europe. I would have missed out on the opportunity to come back to make the saints, to go on to win a Super Bowl. I would have missed the opportunity. Listen to me, what this means for you and for I, church, is that if we want more presence of God, we want to be filled with God, we have to be willing to position ourselves under Him. That means, it might mean, watch, go, taking a step and going to next steps class. And getting under it and going, hey, I, I don't really know a lot about it, but I'm just going to position myself underneath it and hopefully God speaks and hopefully God moves. And so I'm just, just gonna position myself an opportunity. For some of you, maybe it's the men's breakfast this Saturday. Just position yourself. Just get under it. Get under it. He doesn't say you have to do anything but be open. Just get under it. Maybe it's a worship night when we have our worship nights. Maybe it's a women's Bible study, which will be happening soon here for the ladies. So think about it, all that. There are opportunity after opportunity. Maybe it's a discipleship with another man that you can get under. Not because he's good, but because God is using him in your life. But all you see is a man instead of a man of God. Well, guess what? Then all you're going to get is a man and you're going to get none of God. position ourselves open. We are ready. God, I'm, do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to say yes, which means this, church. You might need to say the no to some other things. It's so difficult. I get it. There's, in this day and age, we're all busy and running around. All of us. All of us. And I love your son. I love your daughter. They're not Drew Brees. I'm sorry. They won't be the next Drew Brees. But watch this. They can be the next man and woman of God that love Jesus, that want to change the world. That watch this. As the darkness gets darker in this world, look at me, church. We have to move closer to the light and away from the Where do I do that? Do I come to church? It's not about coming to church. Look at me. I'm not giving you more stuff to do. I'm just saying we got to position ourselves in a way to get filled with his presence. 
is after that happens. It's the final step. Step number four. Then we believe and receive. I'm going to take you back to the story of the widow. The story where she has this little jar of oil. And I want to remind you. Eyes up. Look, this is so good. She had her two sons with her. And she gets this jar of oil and and then she gathers the jars and her two sons are with her. Remember, two sons are about to be sold into slavery. And who knows what the ages were of them. They might have been little boys. They might have been grown men. But regardless, they were boys nonetheless. And they were there with their mom. And their mom is desperate. So she's like, let's get all all these jars. And they're like, mom's acting crazy. She thinks that with that little oil we're going to fill all of these. And so her, her boys are there with her. And, and, and she's just like, I just know that the prophet of God, that the Lord spoke through him. And I'm supposed to take this little jar, this little jar of oil and all of these jars here. And, and we're just going to start pouring. And the boys are like snickering. I can just imagine this, right? Snickering in the background. And she probably rebuked them, no doubt. <laughs> she probably said, you need to stop. And because of the belief and the faith of one strong woman to say, my God will provide, her boys got to witness a miracle that carried them for the rest of their lives. And as it was pouring out, watch this, it just kept pouring and pouring. She's like, bring me another. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's full, bring me another. And so they come over and I can imagine these boys weeping because they saw the mighty hand of Jehovah Jireh providing for them when they could not provide for themselves. Let me ask you a question. What do you think it did for those boys? Because of the faith of woman to, one woman to believe and receive that God wanted to fill, that God wanted to provide. And I believe we have a generation, we have kids, teenagers, that we have grandkids, nieces and nephews that are waiting for us to believe and receive what God wants to do. I believe that. And because of one act from this mother, those boys got to carry that miracle for the rest of their lives. So watch this. When their mom went up to be with the Lord and the days got dark and the days got tough, they got to remember the goodness of God. They got to see and taste the goodness of God. Because the Bible says that after they sold the oil for their debts, they paid it off, but they didn't just pay off their debt. They lived on the rest. It carried them. It carried them. It carried their moms, dads, aunts, and uncles, grandparents. They're waiting on us to be so desperate for God that he says, okay, now I can fill you with my presence. Believe that God wants to do a miracle in your life. Believe that God wants to fill you with his presence. Believe that God wants to move in a way that you've never seen him move, but then receive what he's going to give. Because a quarterback can only get to the Hall of Fame if he has some receivers. 
So watch this. God is pouring out. Are we hungering and thirsting for more? It's not about what we get. It's about who we're going to get that fills us up.